The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. To end the game with our defense, um, having an opportunity to shut down possibly the greatest quarterback to ever play this game with a minute 13 to go, uh, and then to come through with that, that's a that's a huge win. It's time for the Hogan Johns Podcast. Podcast. Blitz somehow Foles gets it to Montgomery. Biggest play and a half for Chicago. Foles is notoriously streaky. Looks like he's getting hot. Floats one. Patterson hit in stride. Down inside the five. For them to jump out to that lead early on in our offense to, you know, get a little spurt there in the second quarter. Here's Montgomery, cuts up field, touchdown! So like Jimmy Graham down here in the red zone. Pulls end zone, what a catch! Graham, touchdown! From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. My name is Samir. My name is My name is Not going to work here anymore anyway. And from The Athletic. It's Adam Johns. My name is Slam Sadie. This is a big win for us right now when you look at this to be 4-1. and one. Every win is so crucial, so I'm proud of our coaches and players for that. Together, they're Hogan Johns. All I do is win. Now that is definitely Eminem. No question about it. Ernie, you're the best. Meanwhile, the Bears are 4-1, and one, Adam Johns. Easy peasy. Beating Tom Brady, no problem. They made it look easy. Kind of. No. Not the Bears, not these Bears. But that's an electric win. But yeah, but Adam Johns, this win has a different feeling to it, right? It's a, sort of a valid, a validator, if that's a appropriate word. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? But, but it does feel, yes, there is some validation with this game, beating Tom Brady. National television, short rest, quarterback making a second start where your defenders, your defense comes in with the final stand. There's things to feel good about than things to feel less certain about, I should say. Well, uh, you're certainly allowed to feel good about this win. The Bears are 4-1, and one, and there's a lot to break down. This was a jam-packed game. I, a lot happened. It wasn't always pretty. But I thought it was entertaining, and I was thinking that before they, you know, as the Bears got that ball down uh, before their last drive, I actually didn't have a ton of faith that they were going to score. Just, I don't know. You knew it was going to come down to the field goal, and you can never really trust a Chicago Bears field goal. But I was still thinking, no matter what happens here, this has been an entertaining game. A lot of different things have happened. Uh, The Bears' defense was playing great. Um Tom Brady, just the whole thing was entertaining. And when it was all said and done, Tom Brady put up four fingers for the Bears' fourth win. <laughs> it's what I think he was doing. He was just signaling to everybody that the Bears are 4-1. and one. A senior moment for Mr. Brady? <laughs> they rattled him, man. That's I, that, that matters. He may be 43, but the Bears' defense, we, we talked about it going into this game. And I told you, I told you. He does not like to get hit anymore. He doesn't want to be hit. And the Bears, I don't, I'd love to, I don't sound like I watched Tom Brady every single week, but I don't remember the last time Brady got hit like that repetitively throughout a game. And you could tell he was getting pissed off. He was mad about the penalties, but he was also mad about getting hit. And they rattled him to the point where the greatest quarterback of all time forgot how many downs there were at the end of the game. He wanted That's five. amazing. 
you know, with his career, he may, he may have earned five. I, I don't know. Maybe there's a new rule, you know, new Tom Brady rule. <laughs> Just that we, for him, we, yeah. we don't know about. <laughs> but, it's, but, but to your point, that was an enjoyable game to watch because I like defensive football. I, I, I get that all the rules are, are skewed for the offense, but it's still good to see that quarterback get hit around a bit, right? Even if it's the great one, Tom Brady, to see him get thrown around, to see him get frustrated, that's football in its essence. Akeem Hicks said that a couple weeks ago. Remember when he got uh, the flag for a, a seemingly in- innocent hit on the quarterback, I think in Atlanta, and he said, you know, it, it, I think fans want to see the quarterback get hit every once in a while. Like, that should be okay. There are a few plays in this game where that came up. Most notably, Kyle Fuller's hit. It wasn't a hit on quarterback, but it was still a play where that conversation certainly comes in. Uh, let me set things up here. Welcome in. Bears win. They're 4-1. and one. They get a 2019 win over Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For whatever it's worth, the number one DVOA team right now in football. I don't necessarily think that was the best team in football, but there's some legitimacy to that team and to that win. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Read all of our postgame reaction. It is up. I'm at NBCSportsChicago.com. Wrote about Khalil Mack and... Uh, how Khalil Mack looked like Khalil Mack again. All of John's stuff is up. Um, I know you had a somewhat similar angle because I saw your same, same Blood quote. in the water, buddy. Blood in the water. That was a good one. Blood in the water. Khalil Mack delivers a quote every once in a while, and uh, he certainly did after the game last night. Thanks for sticking with us. We are recording this in the morning, which we normally don't do. I didn't go to the game last night. Because we live in this COVID world, and um, I think I mentioned it a couple podcasts ago or earlier this week or whatever. My son got sick. I, of course, now got that bug because that's how it works. Your kids get sick, right, Johns? You have three of them. I haven't been healthy since 2010. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually accurate, probably. So uh, that's particularly difficult during a pandemic. Um, fortunately for us, it's the first time anything has hit us since March. Just so everyone knows, uh, I did go get tested this week. My son got tested. Those tests are negative. But considering the climate we're in and the fact that there's no locker room access, I decided to stay home last night just to be safe because the last thing anyone needed was somebody in the press box uh, coughing and making people paranoid and things like that. Making a certain colleague of mine, Kevin Fishbane, extremely yes. paranoid. Yes. yes. Yeah, Kevin... But, uh, uh, <laughs> Kevin the fish man is and he's a new dad so we don't want to get even no, a cold no, no. We as, as, as we joke about this <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want to even send a cold I, honest to god though I don't mean to make this a PSA but actually um, I, I just coincidentally happened to have my yearly physical yesterday and my doctor did say like you know right now they don't want anytime anybody's sick they gotta go through the process of basically ruling out COVID and so they don't want anybody sick with anything right now because it's all complicated. Uh, or as John Fox would say, it's all a problem. And and so anyway, that's why I wasn't at the game last night. I watched from home. And then there was just sort of a logistical issue because you were there. Long story short, we decided to record this in the morning. So thanks for understanding. This is just part of the deal, I think, in 2020. Everybody's shifting. Games are getting moved to Tuesdays and off of Thursdays and all this kind of crap. Uh, but the main thing is the Bears won and you're still getting your postgame podcast. Speaking of crap, you sound a lot better today Thank than, you. You did, than you did last night when I talked to you. You sounded like crap last night. I did. I did. I know. Um, I used a different word, but... You did. 
which I think you can say on The Athletic, but that's fine. By the way, you should subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you go to do that. I do feel a little bit better. I certainly sound better, at least. I'm surprised because coming off of four hours of sleep when you're sick is not great. No. Again, that number four, Tom Brady was just... It's just lingering. It's, it's just the four. It's synergy. 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 <laughs> synergy. Where, where should we start? How about, I think the most significant thing to come out of this game, Adam Johns, and I don't know if it's a coincidence or whatever, but this was the first week where Khalil Mack did not have an injury designation. And all of a sudden, he looked like Khalil Mack again. He had that signature game-wrecking performance and I included in my column, he has just his knack when he's on top of his game for doing these incredible things that only Khalil Mack could do. I referenced the butt sack against Aaron Rodgers a couple years ago. And then the, um, the do you remember the play on Riley Reef against the Vikings in 2018 where he just sort of swatted him away with his yeah. off arm like a fly? And then last night, the play was he sacks Tom Brady and poor Tristan Wirfs, welcome to the NFL rookie, who, by the way, he's been awesome so far this season, Tristan Wirfs, the, the kid out of Iowa. But he's still holding on to Khalil Mack, and he learned his lesson uh, <laughs> because Khalil Mack just sort of flipped him over into a cartwheel. Uh, and I just love Mack after the game asked to explain it. And he's like, nah, I can't explain that. It just happens. <laughs> I play the game physical. <laughs> It happens if you're Khalil Mack. Yes, yes. See, when I saw that was a, a Ric Flair-like hip toss. If you're a wrestling fan, you know who I'm talking about. That was a Ric Flair-like hip toss by Khalil Mack. And I'm thinking to myself, that's a 350-pound grown man. Okay, he's a rookie. But that's a 340-pound rookie he just took with his right arm and hip tossed. Wow. The viral collection. Now, there's... Not a lot of these plays, but five or six. The viral collection of plays he has, like you said, where he's putting offensive tackles on his back or he's, you know, sacking Aaron Rodgers with his butt. It's pretty uh, unique to have, especially in this time. Like we said, with all the rules skewed offensively towards that quarterback position. But if that's the version of Khalil Mack that the Bears are going to have the rest of the season, you got to take him seriously. No matter what the offense looks like. And they still got work to do. And we're going to get to that because I got concerns about the offensive line. But we'll save that for right now. If that's the version of Khalil Mack, then that defense is going to be, they might still be a little bit leaky in the run game, which we saw at times last night. But that's a game changer. That's the game wrecking type performance that they're paying Khalil Mack for. And he came through. And even Roquan Smith said that after the game. He's like, that's what you get paid the big bucks for. Yeah, yeah. Wrecked the game. Wrecked the game. I, I didn't think Robert Quinn was that bad either. We're, we're still waiting for that sack production to go up. But I felt like he was fast off the ball in the backfield a bit. Now, Khalil Mack is obviously the superior player. That's why he gets the the bigger bucks, although the salaries are different this year. But I thought overall, the pass rush what was threatening. We know, Khalil, uh, we know that Akeem Hicks. Can be better. I almost wonder if Cleo Mack or uh, Akeem Hicks, sorry, kind of just held his own in the middle, you know, eating up double teams to prevent Tom Brady from from stepping up completely. But just a good day for I, for the pass rush. I'll even say Chuck Pagano because I like what he did earlier by sending Roquan Smith and some blitzers after Tom Brady too to get him off his game a bit. That's a risky thing to do. And Tom it is. Brady. Tom Brady usually eats that apart. And, and I, but I think what happened, you saw it. 
and this is how football is supposed to work throughout it. Like eventually it wore him down and it was getting to him. It was aggravating Tom Brady. So I think they got beat a couple times early with that type of pressure, but that aggressive mentality, I think I agree with you. I, in fact, I was kind of criticizing it early in the game. Not publicly, but just sort of in my head. I'm going, man, this is risky what Chuck McGonnell's doing right now. Usually doesn't go well, but it paid off by the fourth quarter. There's no question. So just looking at the sack numbers of Tom Brady's five games this year, he was sacked uh, three times in week one, nothing in week two, sacked three times in week three at Denver, big Fangio, and nothing last week when he mounted that comeback against the Chargers. So five sacks over the first four weeks on Tom Brady. And then last night, week five in Chicago at Soldier Field, three official sacks. I think Cleo Mack had one called back, right? Um, yep. For, uh, well, roughing the passer, holding. Yeah, well, for was, tackling the quarterback while were, the whistle there was being flags. Blown. There was a stretch where the, the like they're just throwing their laundry out there, you know, yellow laundry all over the field. But, yeah, just to, to your point, the pressure was significant on Tom Brady. He was rattled, and it's been different the first four weeks, at least in, in some of these games for him. You mentioned Robert Quinn. The biggest play of the game that Robert Quinn made was picking up the football on Kyle Fuller's hit. Kyle Fuller, I thought, here's the, here's the speaking of the officiating, he made a great play, a great hit on Keyshawn Vaughn, and the moment it happened, I go, here comes the flag. And then the flag didn't come. And then it came. Like, in the history it, of it, late like flag. to be sure, yeah. It, it, but it, it just proves the point that these officials are not flagging what they're seeing. A lot of times they're just flagging how big a hit is. Like, you, there was the hit. There was the reaction. There was, like, you could hear the te- the bears on the broadcast on the TV like making a noise like oh like reacting to the hit and that's what got the official to throw the flag like they're just being trained right now to flag big hits which is unfortunate but to the credit they did huddle together and they took the flag off which I was shocked that they actually did that because that was a textbook hit even in 2020. Like with all the rules, with how hard it is to deliver a hit like that legally, Kyle Fuller did it to a T, and they still flew through the flag. Fortunately, there was some common sense there, and they picked it up because football still needs plays like that. I, I, yeah. I it just. It's still football, and I understand the safety, and they're trying to legislate big hits out of the game, but I don't want to see a helmet-to-helmet hit, but I don't want to see players punished for a a hit just to the midsection, especially one where he knocks the football loose. It's not a textbook hit like in the historical sense, right? You're not putting your, your helmet into the guy or your shoulder. Like If you look back at old films, it's just different. But it's it's like the, the modern way of attacking ball carriers now and Kyle Fuller has perfected this and he's got the timing down too like this side lunging like he almost throws his hips and his, his elbow into it right he, he gets a little bit low and we've seen him do this a couple of times 
over, over the past couple of years. Even Khalil Mack referenced one earlier in the year, which he was flagged for, which was not a penalty because he's gotten so good at this. He the like helmet, gets, the ball hit in Detroit. Yeah, yes, yes. He gets underneath <laughs> it a bit. It, it's it's quite the... Khalil Mack described it as like a, a professionalism. And he's right. It's just the, the, the body control, the timing of it, the, the, the knowing to, to not use your helmet or even attack the other player's helmet. It's just almost a special... I, I don't even know how to like, continue to describe it. it. It's just so unique as he just like throws his hips into the hit. And, and Kyle Fuller, at least uh, on this Bears team, is the only one I see doing it routinely. And you have to give him credit for it because that was a huge play. I was even more surprised. They went back and reviewed that, that fumble. Because I thought it was a fumble. I'm like, he took three or four steps. John's... And, I'm t- the I'm telling you, the the apparently the NFL offici- officiating office is reading ten bears things because <laughs> I just I I, in, I think it was two weeks ago I was just pleading to our guy Al. that Al yeah that uh big Al we need some common sense in officiating please some common sense. And right there, not only on the hit, but they went back and reviewed the catch. And it was very clear. He caught the ball. One, two. Even got the third step down. That's a football Started move. Started the turn. That's common sense. Catch Like all this nonsense with catch, no catch. They've actually done a, a pretty decent job the last couple of years of correcting that. And just using common sense. You know when a catch is a catch. It didn't have to be like it was before. So complicated. And for once, it seemed like the common... First of all, we just saw common sense officiating finally, and in this case, it worked out to be the most significant play in the game in the Bears' favor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Biggest play of the game. Um, and, and how often do you see these types of replays, reviews go in the Bears' favor? Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. There he is. Biggest play of the game. Final two minutes of the first half. Kudos to Robert Quinn for being right there to pick up the ball somewhere. What's his name? James Anderson is wondering what he's doing. Um, it's can, better can in I, move. <laughs> can, can I pick on Kyle though, real quick? Yeah, he's celebrating Kyle. his hit. Kyle, great hit. Pick up the damn ball. Yeah, yeah. It was but, right. Kyle could have picked it up. And now they they I you know I think they ruled it dead no matter what. But in a situation where, um. Maybe they had called that a catch on the field. Kyle could actually picked it up and scored. Yeah, yeah. so could Robert, well, Robert Quinn. Quinn. Yeah, yes, yes. They blew it dead. But Kyle hit was just sort of like loving the hit, which it was a great hit. But he's lucky Robert Quinn picked up the ball. The Bears are lucky. Yeah. Biggest play of the game. Biggest play it of was. the game. I think four or five plays later, Jimmy four. Graham's making four plays later. Jimmy Graham's making that one-handed catch in the back of the end zone. Heck of a catch, by the way. <laughs> Jimmy Graham. Look, guys, we don't ever lie to you on this podcast. And we stood there at Hallis Hall in August, and we're watching these practices, and we're like, man, I wasn't expecting this. Jimmy Graham looks really good. He really does. This isn't a fluke. Uh, wasn't Again, wasn't expecting this. But he looks good. Now, how is this going to translate to games? And I was like, I have no idea. Can he do this for 16 games? I have no idea. I still don't know if he can do it for 16 games. But right now, he that catch he had, that looked like old Jimmy Graham. 
What a one-handed one-handed grab and a good throw by Nick Foles. Yeah, that wasn't the Foles had a good throw to him two plays before that. I don't have the game log before it, but I think Jimmy Graham should have had that one as he fell out of the back of the end zone or the side of the end zone. Um, just a factor in the red zone. Like, they don't need him to be a 100-catch guy. They need him to be what he's doing exactly right now in the red zone, be, being this intimidating, like almost unstoppable threat if he gets a one-on-one matchup. And you're seeing it. You're absolutely seeing it. It's what we saw in camp. Now, we haven't seen the same of Cole Komet. That's a different story. For another podcast and another day, because we could go on and on about that. But the Bears are getting exactly what they expected from Jimmy Graham when they signed Yeah, that, I mean, that was a huge play in the game. And uh, you, you know what? Let, we should talk about Nick Foles. He, 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 looked like, he looked more like Nick Trubisky there for a minute than Nick Foles. And I... I say that because, like, the third down miss he had to Allen Robinson, and people were kind of quibbling with me on Twitter, like, oh, Mitch never even missed one that short. We we can, you know, endlessly argue about short, medium, whatever. The point is Mitch missed a lot of layups on third down. That was a layup. That was an easy throw for an NFL quarterback to make, and Nick Foles just missed it. And I think the one thing... Unless I missed it last night because there was a lot going on in the post game, I don't know that that deep ball to Mooney got addressed at all. Um, you know the one where I don't yeah. know if Mooney should have gone. I don't know if his route was supposed to go closer to the sideline or if Foles just missed the throw. Uh, hopefully, we'll talk to Nagy about that today. There was just early on; it didn't look great, but Foles did some things in this game that I'm sorry the other quarterback would not have done. Wheel routes. The touch on those throws, the first one to Patterson that set up the first touchdown, and then that huge was that on second down the throw to yeah I think it was second down. Did, did, I, I know where you're going. Can I can I guess? Yeah, David Montgomery between three defenders under pressure wasn't a perfect pass, but it got to him. He saw something at the line of scrimmage. You could tell, and Nagy alluded to this, but I tweeted it in the moment. You could tell he's he's looking at the defense, and he I don't know if he checked or he just alerted Montgomery to the route or something. He did something in the line of scrimmage. You could tell, and he saw it pre-snap, and he delivered a great throw. Like those, you're gonna have to live with some inconsistency with Nick Foles, and there is a noticeable difference in the velocity. Like, what was that one throw where it looked like for sure it was going to be a pick six? And, like, man, that ball was just floating in the air forever. That There's going to be moments like that, guys. But there's also going to be moments where, like that throw to Montgomery that set up the game-winning field goal, he's going to see something, and he's going to read the defense, and he's going to make the right call, and he's going to make the throw. And I just think between the touch on those throws and what he saw at the line of scrimmage – I hate that every time we're going to compliment Nick Foles, it kind of sounds like we're bashing Mitch, but that's why Nick Foles is in the game, and it's completely fair to say. All right, so Nick Foles gets his first win as the Bears' starting quarterback, and he's now 2-0 against the GOAT, Tom Brady, with a ring on his finger in one of those victories. Let's hear what Nick Foles had to say after the game, after the Bears beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Hey, Nick, um, it, early in the game, it looked like you were uh, missed some, missing some throws and then kind of settled in after the interception. Uh, what changed from there? What, what kind of went right for you after that? Yeah, I missed one specifically where I was rolling to the right and had A-Rob, and I, I was shocked it like, uh, came off my hand like it did. It just sort of it didn't come off right. Um, but other than that, you know, it felt good. Um, you know, there's obviously some throws where, uh, you know, stepping up a couple of times you get hit and you can't, you can't really get it out there. Um, but, you know, there'll be a lot of things that we can look at on film to get better at because we left some stuff out there. But they did some nice things on defense to make it so uh, it was a little difficult to do that. So they did a nice job. JJ? Nick, what have you learned over these these two and a half games about how to communicate what you want out of specific plays to your teammates, to your coaches, um, and how to be that demanding on the sideline? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we're, we're continuing to grow together. Um, this is something that, uh, doesn't happen overnight, and I felt like today was a big one because it was just I, – I just keep saying, like, it's a fist fight. It wasn't an easy game by any means. We just kept fighting, kept fighting, and everyone just kept, you know, throwing punches. And I'd say the big thing from tonight was we got to learn how to go through a fist fight like this and come out on top. And uh, you don't want them every week, but if it if it's what it takes to win every week, that's what we'll do. Um, but I think in the moments at the end of the game, obviously a lot of lots to learn from for all of us, um, coaches, players, and everything. Just um, continue to gain that rhythm because this is my first time with a lot of these guys and a lot of these coaches. So it's the first time they've seen me in one of these games. So and first time I've seen them. So tonight was a big night of learning. Jason Leisure, Nick, we've heard some of your coaches talk about you just having no memory. It seems like from play to play. On that second to last possession, you had three that were really close interceptions. How do you go from that to the big throws you made on the game-winning drive? Um, I, I, they did a nice job on that second-to-last drive of really getting some pressure on me as I was trying to throw it. So um, that made it difficult, um, and they did a nice job there. But I think the big thing is just trusting my teammates, trusting the guys in the huddle to where, you know what, I can have that short memory because I, I trust them, and I'm going to lean on them. And we have to continue to believe in one another. And doing it tonight showed it, and we just continue to gain confidence uh, with one another, working with one another um, to, you know, obviously win these games because it's not easy in those situations uh, where you go. I think we were three and out on that second last drive, and, you know, it wasn't pretty. And then all of a sudden, you know, move the chains and get into field goal range. Uh, but I think, once again, tonight was a big night for everyone in the huddle offensively, just continuing to learn who we are as human beings and athletes within this game. Dan Wiederer. Nick, on the uh, the first touchdown drive, there was a third down conversion and it looked like you beat a blitz with a quick sort of outlet pass to Montgomery. The, do you remember that play specifically and, and, and the way that the first half had unfolded to that point? How big was that moment to, to finally get a drive to push forward like that? Yeah, I mean, they were – I mean, Coach Bowles is known for bringing all these different pressures and different blitzes and different stunts, and it's a, it's a lot of work for the guys up front. Um, they really grinded out and, you know, gave us time to get the, the balls out quick. And, you know, there's times where uh, teams will drop the back. So it was one of those ones in those situations, just yelling at David, hey, get out, get out, get out, or go, 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 because um, his protection um, didn't come. And, you know, sometimes the checkdowns are good. We're, as quarterbacks, we're always looking to be aggressive and push the ball downfield. But there's times where they zone it off and drop everyone out. And getting to the checkdown can sometimes be hard. But I felt like there were some big ones tonight. Kevin Fishbane. Nick, the other play to David was the one on the final drive that set up the field goal. Can you walk us through kind of what you saw before the snap that led you to go in that direction and kind of the throw to David as well? 
Yeah, they uh, they were showing a pressure look, and they did bring pressure, but uh, we, I was trying to figure out where the safety would be, so we were able to get ourselves into a play to where um, we get David on a linebacker or safety going up the side, and we were able to get a little bit of a pick action. Um, the defender sort of collided and just dropping it in there where he can make a play, and obviously that was a huge play in the game to get us into you know, a really good field goal range for, for Cairo to kick it through. Pat Finley. Nick, what can a win like this do for you guys over the next 10 days emotionally? Um, I think emotionally uh, winning tonight is huge. Um, obviously, where we are right now, 4-1, but that's a, that's a really good team. Tampa's a really good team. It was a short week. Um, we get a little bit of a break right here, which is nice for everyone just to take a breath for a moment and uh, then get back to work and allow us to – look at ourselves and see like, where do we want to go from here offensively? Where do we, you know, cause there's a lot of areas to improve and we all know that. Um, and that's exciting because I feel like we're, we're putting these pieces together together. And it reminds me of some special teams I've been on where, you know, the first part of the season you go through this and then you finally figure out what works and what you want to be and you start rolling. So I think these next 10 days are big, specifically these next three for everyone just to take a breath and then get back to work on, I think it's Monday. Deion Miller. What does it do for you when you see the defense have a performance like that and uh, kind of frustrating Tom Brady throughout the night? I mean, anytime you can frustrate Tom Brady, uh, it's a it's a it's a great day. And our defense did that today. Um, he started out a little hot, but um, I, I could tell, you know, I've been told he got a little frustrated. So obviously he's an extremely talented player, but uh, I was really proud of our defense and what they did today. JJ? Nick, you mentioned the 10-day layoff here. What do you want to accomplish now that you you do have kind of a breather to take some stock in what has gone on the last couple of weeks and then also to try to build the offense um, for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think just taking time to really think back, uh, you know, what we've done these last couple of weeks, where we've maybe had some trouble, where we've lost our rhythm. Because um, I feel like our rhythm has been sporadic a little bit and we really got to get this thing flowing a little bit better. And, you know, I know Coach Nagy feels the same way. So what does that mean? What do we want to be? So there's a lot of those conversations that we can have, and they are, you know, easy to fix. Um, we just got to figure out what they are. And uh, it's not the first time I've been in this situation. A lot of teams in the NFL are in this situation a lot of times. So we have the pieces and the people here to get this thing right and, uh, you know, continue to improve as a team. A couple more for Nick. Joe Lewis. Yeah, hey, Nick, you all, the Bears came into this game not being able to beat Tom Brady in his entire career. You, of course, had a huge win against him in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Did that stat, was it lingering in your mind before this game, or was it something you just didn't pay attention to? No, it was something I didn't really worry about. Different situations, different team, different moment. Um, for me, it was more about, you know, my history last year with the Bucks. They did, you know, I had a rough game against them in the first half last year, so that was definitely emotional for me uh, with what happened in Jacksonville. So. You know, come here and get this win versus them after everything that happened last year um, was huge. And obviously, it's my first win as a Chicago Bear, and it was an emotional one. And, uh, you know, it was a fist fight. This it reminded me of, like, a good old fist fight from Philly. Uh, and now I get to do it in Chicago. So it, I really, you know, enjoyed getting in the locker room and, you know, celebrating with my teammates. Probably a little more tired than I thought I'd be just because of everything. But, uh, you know, I'll sleep well tonight. And I think everyone's really excited about the victory. Dan Wiederer. 
Nick, what, what was your uh, your view on the touchdown pass to Jimmy? And then also, what have you really come to appreciate about playing with the defense that you have the luxury of playing with? Uh, you know, Jimmy one-on-one, that's a hard matchup. And, you know, defense will start giving us different looks. But the, the good thing about it is we have talent um, on the offensive side of the ball to spread the ball around. So if they want to start taking Jimmy out, we have other guys that can do it. But Jimmy's a tremendous player. Like I said, I've really enjoyed being his teammate. Um, and then what was the second part? Sorry. Go ahead, Dan. J- just what you've come to appreciate about having the luxury of playing with the defense. Oh, yeah, that- you get you get me like midnight right now after a game. So, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, having a defense like us, like ours, I mean, we went against them every day in training camp. I played against them. Um, I, I said when I got here, it was one. Of the, it was probably the toughest defense I ever faced, and you know, for us to go out there and battle together, um, it, it, it's great. I think that you know, team ball, and obviously, offensively, we want to continue to get a rhythm and get things moving. Um, be more productive. Um, we all feel that way. Obviously, it's great to get the win, but we want to be better. You know, John's Nick alluded to it in that interview, and I think he said it to Fox, too, after the game. He called it an emotional victory. You could tell that there was some significance to it. You could also tell he was exhausted. He was, he was like, this is what you're getting from me at midnight. Uh, it's time to go to bed. And... Uh, yeah, that's what happens with these late games. But that it was a short week, tough victory. He called it a fist fight, one of his old fist fights in Philly. Now he gets to do it in Chicago. Uh, but a gutsy performance and one the Bears needed. Can I call out the GOAT for a little bit here? Sure. Because he was a bit emotional too. Did you see the clip of Nick Foles standing with the, the Bears security man in the middle of the field, like kind of looking for Tom Brady for the handshake? And not finding Tom Brady for the handshake because Tom Brady was running off the field into the tunnel and into the Bucks locker room. And I feel like we should call him out on this a bit. Great one. What are okay. you doing? Uh, can we give him a pass, though, because of COVID? No, Did no, no. Just... No, no, no. You okay. know why? Because last week, that man stood in the middle of the field against the Chargers. And literally the entire team came up to him one by one and paid their respects to him. Okay. Everybody on the Chargers. <laughs> did so that. after a win, he gets the line. It's like a like a retirement line. Yeah. You know, just send him off <laughs> and, uh, you know, line up single file. Let's pay your respects to the GOAT. Yes. Uh, it felt like it watching the <laughs> You, you know, let me say this. You're probably right that he was – because he clearly was emotional and angry and pissed off last night, Tom Brady. Well, did you see him yell at his offensive line speaking oh, of yeah. emotional outbursts? Not you know that what? I have a problem with that, but Yeah, they frankly it deserved it at that moment. True. And he has – you know, he's earned that respect to be able to do that. That being said, did you see the clip of Stephon Gilmore, like, hugging Patrick Mahomes after the game on Monday night, and then he – Stephon Gilmore tests positive, I think, two days later for COVID. If I'm a head coach, now maybe it's separate. I'm because I'm not. You're probably right about Tom Brady's being emotional after the game. But honestly, at this point, if I'm a head coach, I am telling my quarterbacks after the game to get the hell off the field. Okay. Well, like, Matt Nagy didn't do that with Nick Foles. I know. I but I and I think you could safely go up to a guy and give him an elbow bump and say, "Nice game." Sure. Maybe elbow bump. It just they got to be smart about this because 
They're not in the bubble. Then, then, then just don't do handshakes. That, I'm, I, I would actually be okay with that. I would be okay if the NFL just says, look, after the game, it's a different season. Just go to your locker room. You know what we did in, in fall ball baseball here for the kids? They stand in a line. They raise both hands. And wave? Tip, tip their hand and wave and say, nice game. You that want works? that? Then, then do it. I'm just saying. I think we all saw, I think a lot of fans saw Tom Brady run off the field. And Nick Foles came out there looking for him. And the goat was nowhere to be found. I understand it. I, I'm not going to make too much uh, out of it, even though I just did like a two-minute rant on it. Just thought no, it was notable. Fair. I think I think people wanted to hear about it. No, it's fair. It's fair. He, uh, if you're gonna have the Chargers line up for you and bow down <laughs> after a win, <laughs> you, you gotta. You can't run it off did when look you look like it. Yeah, yeah. Like guys are coming out of stands, practice squads, players aren't even supposed to be on the field. Here they come. I'm, I'm kidding about that, but yeah, yeah. Um, what'd you think about the end of the game? Matt Nagy throwing on second down, leaving some time on the clock. Uh, I was yeah. not surprised. I was kind of no. expecting him to take a shot. It's yeah. kind of his MO at this point. I, I I think it's one of those things though, where it's totally fair to criticize him since it didn't work. You did leave a lot more time on the clock for Tom Brady, but I, I actually am going to take this opportunity to defend Matt Nagy for this. How many times have we seen the Bears miss a kick? I mean, how many times do they have to go through this? It, I, I didn't feel confident. Now, they were a little bit closer at that point after the, the shot to Montgomery and the great throw to, by Nick Foles that we just broke down. But I cannot blame the head coach of the Chicago Bears at this point for not trusting the game to come down to a kick. And you take a shot, you try to make it easier. And I would also say this, like we killed him two years ago in Miami when he just handed the ball off a couple times and yeah. settled for that, what was it, 51, 53 yarder or something like that, that Cody Parkey missed. So I get it. Uh, it. It's not great to leave Tom Brady some more time. I also think situationally, though, on that sideline, they're probably feeling they, they've rattled Brady at that point. He probably has confidence in what Khalil Mack's doing and what the Bears pass rush is doing. So you weigh the risk and reward and you say, man, I don't feel great about this kicking situation. I'm going to take a shot. And if it doesn't work out, I trust my defense. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to blame anybody for criticizing Nagy for that. But at the same time, I think that there is a defense for that move and that play call. And it almost worked. The defensive play, once again, the guy made a nice play to get his hand up there and break break up the pass to Allen Robinson. I felt a couple ways about it, just, just, just like you did. I wasn't surprised to see it because just like everything you laid out, I feel like it's all factor in Matt Nagy's head. And he wants to be aggressive. And now I, I feel like he has a quarterback with whom he can be confidently aggressive with in Nick Foles to make safer decisions, to not putting the not putting the ball in riskier places. So I, I don't mind it, um, especially knowing that they've missed long field goals before. Big ones, too. I think we could all remember those in Chicago, right? So I had no problem with that rationale. But at the same time, you're like, oh, Tom Brady's got a minute and 13 seconds like this, and all he needs is a field goal. Like, speaking of layups, this is a Tom Brady-like moment, but... It didn't happen, so it looks good now. But, yeah, I felt, I don't know if indifferent is the, the right way to describe it, but I could see both sides. And to be honest, I don't mind if he wants to be a little bit aggressive there because I know he wants to be aggressive there. And I think Nick Foles 
helps him be aggressive there. So it paid off for him, but I definitely get the, the criticism of it given the moment and given the player he was, you know, going against in Tom Brady. Don't forget that before the, the Cody Parkey kick, the kick that shall not be named that I just did. <laughs> you can't call it the kick that shall not be named if you just named it. They they took remember they took a shot. They went to Anthony Miller in the end zone and it was there and I still believe had Trubisky ha- Trubisky got rushed on that throw in the playoff game because the protection broke down in front of him. Uh, and I still think if he had a half a second more time, that would have been a touchdown if the Bears win that game. So it's it's risky to do, but I I, I just with what Matt Nagy's seen here from the kicking game, I don't I I can't blame him for that. I'm sorry, and I'm not going to. It, it keeps uh, him and, up at night, surely. And another, yeah, and another shout out to Chuck Pagano. You know, I gotta say, with Deion Bush not in the game, I didn't love them coming out in that dime package because we've seen whether it was against um, the the Lions in Week One, where they marched down the field and actually scored the touchdown. If DeAndre Swift didn't drop the ball, the Giants got down there in the red zone. Those were all situations where the opposing team needed a touchdown. Like you said, they just needed a field goal last night, the Bucks, and so I wasn't in love with that decision to come out there in the dime package um, because I thought it was going to be too easy to kind of pick apart with that much time and get in the field goal range. DeAndre Houston Carson made a heck of a play, man. As Khalil Mack said, he ran that route on that fourth down. Tom apparently lost track of what Donna was, took a deeper shot than he needed to, but Bears made the play. Yeah, DeAndre Houston Carson made that play. Um, Yeah, it's... You know, there, there are concerns about the defense, that the running game or their success against the running game is problematic. Maybe it would help if Roquan Smith doesn't get put through the spin cycle twice in a game for for, for big gains. Wrap up, man. Wrap up. Um, but that had to feel like a statement for them, just to slam the door on Tom Brady, national television, your best player, the best player on the field was not Tom Brady. It was Cleo Mack. Like, the defense has to feel really good about itself. Like, they, they wanted that moment. Like, multiple players said that last night. They, they wanted to take the field to shut down Tom Brady. And they did it. They should feel really good about where they stand defensively right now after that one. It, it seems like they've have been having a little bit of problem with, an, with energy at home games. Um, and I get it to a certain standpoint. Like, there's no fans in the stands. It, that's a just a thing about football. And you know, I I, I do the sidelines for Northwestern games, and whether it's fair or not, it's kind of a running joke in the Big Ten. Like an 11 a.m. game in Evanston just doesn't have the same feel as it doesn't have the juice. A night game at Camp Randall or a night game at Ohio State. It's just the reality of the situation. And so you take fans out of there, it's not the same. So I thought in prime time, uh, the defense looked more like the like the team that would step up in those night games in 2018 when it really mattered. By the way, did I say the wrong player on uh, the last play? It was DeAndre Houston Carson. Yeah, you I, said that. Oh, I thought you were correcting me. Okay. No, I yeah. just wanted to say his name again. Yeah, DHC. DHC. Run DHC. Yeah, yeah, we should just use DHC. Uh, but but you're right. And just in terms of the vibe of, of these games, it, it feels totally different when you're there. Well, one of the, the eerie things of it, like I want to try to capture this on film, is so after the game, that, that fake crowd noise just kind of 
buzzes around the stadium for about 10 or 15 minutes after the game. And then it just goes off. And it's dead silence. And it, there's been a couple games now where I've experienced it, and it's just it's different. It's weird. It's it's odd. It's it's eerie. You know, it's Halloween time, so it's, it feels a bit eerie. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna try to capture that. I don't know how because I gotta you know be prepared with my phone. <laughs> but I think fans need to get a better sense of what the actual game is like, as opposed to the the crowd noise they're hearing over TV. You know, it's actually happening on the TV broadcast too. Every once in a while, I don't know some because there's actually a different crowd feed on the television broadcast. It's separate from what you hear in the stadium, and I don't know if the guy was whoever was running that was just like accidentally pressing the wrong button or something. But there was times where like Troy Aikman would be talking, and like the background noise would just shut off. And it was really weird. Yeah. So um, I guess that's just. Uh, hiccup that we're because I've heard it in other games too it's just something we're gonna have to live with this season all right one more time out we'll come back wrap things up I got a I got I got a few more things on my list of things that we got to talk about here the benefit of doing this in the morning after John's is there's like more time to digest to yeah, yeah more time to di- digest this and bring more things to the pot so there's a little bit of benefit of us getting this to you a little bit later than normal When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, John's got a few things left on uh, my lengthy list here. Uh, first of all, I want to point out a few like under the radar plays. Did you notice how on the Bucks' first drive they ended up in a field goal? Uh, Brady overthrew uh, one of those white tight ends. The Bucks had there, like <laughs> four of them. Uh, it, whichever one he overthrew in the end zone. When Fox came back like on the next series or something and showed it because it wasn't obvious, but Mario Edwards Jr. got his arm on Brady's left arm as he was unloading that ball, and I think that's why it sailed over the head. Otherwise, he was open. It might he have was been, open. It might have been steps. seven nothing, and and not three nothing. So you just talk about a game of inches. I I really think that 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 was a huge you know just early play, and then. After the uh, pass interference call on Jalen Johnson that set the Bucks up in the end zone when they were up 10 nothing, or in the red zone when they were up 10 nothing, it, it looked like Mike Evans might have been open. And again, Brady sailed it over his head. But Troy Aikman mentioned on the broadcast, and I agree with it, 
Eddie Jackson sort of under came flying through underneath. And I think that's what made Brady throw it high because he knew if he had thrown it like on a line straight to Evans, it probably would have been picked off. So just that presence of Eddie Jackson there in his old center fielder spot, which was something we talked about so much in the offseason, I think caused that ball to go high. Otherwise, it might have been 17 nothing at that point. And that just has a different feel, right? Uh, it, it sort of starts to put you in blowout territory. Huge difference between 13 nothing and 17 nothing as they had to settle for the field goal there. In today's NFL, sometimes forcing an offense to settle for a field goal is a victory. And just, the, again, with the way the rules are skewed, with the players you're playing against, with the way these modern offenses are run, forcing them off the field and putting the field goal kicker on it is a victory sometimes. And the, the Bears did that. Four field goals by the Buccaneers. There, there's a reason why the Bears have the number one red zone defense in the league. Uh, ben don't break. Very Lovey Smith-like. But that's extremely notable. That that keeps you in games. And one more play I just want to point out on the Bears' first touchdown drive. So after it was 13-0, it was a huge third and seven where Nick Foles got pressured right away. Uh, Todd Bowles brought the blitz, and he did a great job to dump it off to David Montgomery, who I think picked up 12. That was a huge play in the game because the Bears just badly needed anything to go go well offensively. It was after the interception. Um, which is probably another play Allen Robinson is going to tell you he's got to have. Uh, and after those bad throws, those misses early, that that was a huge play by Nick Foles on third and seven. So I just wanted to point that one out as well. Um, do something a little different. I want to hand out some game balls. Yeah, all right. Um, uh, I got a hand. It's a little obvious, but Khalil Mack absolutely has to get one in this game. That's exactly the type of performance that they needed from him. Uh, and then I'd give one to Kyle Fuller, too, for just that hit. It swung the game. It was huge. On offense, who would you give it to? Jimmy Graham? Um, Allen Robinson did have a lot of targets, a lot of catches. I want. I might, I might dig deep here. I don't know if... Yeah. I think overall, between his special teams contributions and offensive contributions, don't sleep on what Cordero Patterson yeah. did. Once again, not going to show up, obviously, in the stat book. But... Oh, he had a big catch. Wheel route. That wheel route was huge. You know what? Cordero Patterson is... And I actually saw this going around on Twitter last night. A lot of people think he's the greatest kick returner of all time. And I know everybody who's listening to this podcast just screamed out, what about Devin Hester? And it's sort of semantics. But the argument is kick returner. And... Most of Devin Hester's damage was done in punts. I think it's a little bit of a weird argument, but the point is is there's no question that Cordell Patterson is one of the best kick returners of all time. I think he has seven touchdowns, um, and you saw last night. like He just gets you yards. He, he That's why he takes it out when he's nine yards deep in the end zone. So he has a huge impact there. I, I would prefer to call him like arguably the greatest special teamer of all time. Oh, there we go, yeah. Because not only does he give you the kick return yardage, the touchdowns over the course of his career, he's one of the best gunners in the oh, league. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, it, But I, what I was going to go with this is coaches everywhere, and this goes back to even Minnesota, have kind of struggled to how to incorporate him effectively within the offense because he sort of does a little bit of everything. 
And as much as people want to bash Matt Nagy for some of the play calling and overall his offense hasn't been producing, and that's fair to a certain standpoint, I would argue that Matt Nagy has gotten more out of Cordell Patterson offensively, figured out how to use him effectively in so many different areas of the offense better than any other coach has throughout his career. And I don't think that that should go unnoticed. How about it just just across the board? All Give Chris Tabor some credit, too. Just putting him in a – not only is he your kick returner, that punt gunner, you know, he's down that field so fast, and he's so imposing for, for blockers because he's, 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 he's not your typical, like, short little fast guy who's trying to get around you. This guy could bully you, too, and then outrace you. Just a different type of threat there as a gunner. So I would say the credit goes – Maybe across the board to Nagy to Tabor um, for how they're using him. Can I can I give a special mention? Special mention game ball? Maybe I, is there such a thing? Sure, uh, we uh, you you can do whatever we want on this podcast. Yeah, it's our podcast. Our, our yeah. names are on it. Uh, Dave Montgomery is man. Does he work hard for every yard he gets? He's the best running back in the league that has the worst stats right now. Yes, yes, yes. Can we get this guy in the open field a bit? Like. Wow, uh, just runs hard, tough to bring down. Look at his touchdown run. Look at all his runs, really. You know, like um, I really like what he does as a receiver. I like that he had seven catches. Like that is a good number to me because he's just a, a because threat. he's on your fantasy team. He's not. I'm not in fantasy this it, year. Okay. Breaking news. Yeah, I just know that there's probably some people in a PPR league going. Yeah, I agree. Seven catches. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Sign me up. Sign me up. It's awesome. Uh, but. It's just a good outlet for Nagy. And the wheel route, like, when you always have that old argument, oh, Jordan Howard, Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard cannot make the catches that David Montgomery made last night against the Buccaneers. He just simply can't. Can't do the same things. And um, you see why Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace love this guy. The His ability to, to break tackles, the the, the, the the hardness, the just the, the way he plays, the, the tenacity he plays with, um, I think just is just traditional Bears football, maybe, in a sense. All right, now a couple negatives on this very upbeat 4-1 Chicago Bears podcast. The Milk Carton Award. Where is your guy, Cole Komet? Yeah. He is missing. The only time we really saw him uh, noticeably last night was when he was guilty of a holding penalty. Um I had his. I think he was on the field thirty three percent of the snaps. I had this earlier, so not too far off his his yeah. usual playing time. Twenty one snaps. I think he had fifteen on Sunday against the Colts. So thirty three percent. Just a little surprised because Nagy made it sound like this week. He, uh, yeah, we got to find a way to give him the ball. He had zero targets. And I, I do think we're five games into the season. It's not great. It's not a great sign. I, tight ends always take some time, but you'd like to see him more involved. Like I, I do think we always talk about first impressions with rookie, and it's tough this year because it really wasn't a training camp. I think overall his blocking's been fine other than that holding penalty last night. And we, it also needs to be pointed out, I mean, Jimmy Graham's probably giving the Bears even more than they thought at this point. Yeah, well, to me, it's it's about Cole Komet getting those opportunities that are still going to Demetrius Harris. You know that train that you're running with Demetrius Harris. <laughs> you know, yeah. 
Um, Harris, by the way, 28 snaps. That's 44%. Yeah, I almost wonder... Like th- there was a lot of this game where there were just quick throws out to the, the receiver who had off coverage, right? There was a like Nick Foles stood up the line of scrimmage, recognized it was man, the ball was out. You know, whoever was in off coverage, that was the receiver getting the ball. So I almost wonder if there was an in-game adjustment that kind of skews things for a lot of players, production-wise, target-wise. But yeah, it's one catch for 12 yards over five games for your, your first pick of the 2020 draft. It's fair to question a lot of things about it right now. Well, that quick game you just talked about is a good transition to the the next thing I have on my list. If there's one giant concern I still have uh, going forward, it's the offensive line. I think the Bears managed to win last night sort of in spite of the O-line. And James Daniels leaving the game with a pec injury is not good. Not good at all. Uh, MRI is going to be huge. A lot of times a torn pec. I mean, a torn pec usually means the season's over. Sometimes it might just be a smaller tear or strain where you can come back after a few weeks. I think that you know that happened with Nick Kwiatkowski. I think just last happened year. again. This and it happened this year again with the Raiders. He's the only guy. That I can recall who returns from pec injuries. <laughs> yeah. Usually curious about it. Yeah, usually not good though. And um I think with a full week of practice, Alex I I like Alex Bars. But he's not James Daniels. He's probably not gonna be James Daniels. And Daniels was making a, a pretty good uh pretty good stride so far this season. So that's a concern going forward and Really, it, I actually thought Bars, after the first couple of snaps, he allowed a sack. I thought he settled down from there, and it wasn't just him. It was still sort of across the board. There was way too much pressure last night on Nick Foles. And I got to say, again, I, I, I'm not sure it's a game they win with Trubisky in there because the common theme with Mitch was like, you rattle him, you pressure him. He doesn't necessarily know where to go, where to go with the ball. And I thought, like you just said, Adam... Foles knew where to go with the ball. Like it was a quick game. Okay, I'm I'm pressured. I got to get rid of it. I, I you know just get to whoever's open on this play, and he was able to do that consistently in the second half, sort of in spite of his O line. And once again, the Bears cannot run the football. So losing James Daniels is bad. The Bears have had pretty good injury luck so far this season, but it finally hit them last night, and that's where just in general the O line that's worrisome going forward. Yeah, it's. Well, let me talk up bars a little bit. If since everybody uses the Patriots as the the gold standard of the NFL, let's not forget that the Patriots wanted to sign Alex Bars, but Alex Bars wanted to stay here. Um, so that's something to think about, you know, uh, as Matt Nagy would say. So, and then this is a guy who, there we go, and this is a guy who would have been drafted if he didn't get hurt. Is his final year at Notre Dame and. There's a lot of good things uh, the Bears have said about you know Alex Bars over the past couple of years. Kyle Long said on Twitter last night how much he liked them. So there's some optimism here. This is just not some you know Brian Witzman. They're throwing in here with all due respect to Brian Witzman. This is a different situation with a young player with some potential. So give it a chance. That's a pretty good pull by you, Brian Witzman. I like that. Yeah. How do you like that? 
Can I end on a little rant? Yeah. I like you checking your watch to see how much time you can get in here. Yeah, we got to talk to Mad Nagy here coming up. Uh, no, it's going to be quick. Can we stop with the fire Matt Nagy nonsense? Just stop. Don't don't be that fan base. Don't be that fan. That's stupid talk. Does this have something to do? Sorry to interject on your rant. Does this oh, something have to do with his record being 10 games over 500? Matt Nagy is 24 and 14 as the Bears head coach. Okay? It hasn't always been pretty. He lost the playoff game. That's included in those 14 losses there. He's 24 and 14. Okay. He is he's never lost to the Lions or the Vikings within the division. Can you be better against the Packers? Yes. I don't have his overall division record in front of me right now, but it is very, very, very good, which was a horrendous problem under the previous head coach. And uh, Carlos Santos. We haven't mentioned Carlos. Nice kick, Carlos, by the way. But I get your point, Adam, and sometimes we're guilty of it as well when the offense is struggling, when Mitch Trubisky is benched, when Nick Foles is awful against the Colts. It's easy to point fingers at the play caller because things aren't working offensively. You know, like the the buck has to stop somewhere, and that's Matt Nagy's responsibilities. That is his offense. But as a head coach, as a guy who takes control of that locker room, as a guy who is respected by his players, as a guy who motivates those players, Matt Nagy does a fine job in keeping that team together. I agree. There's still some room to grow as an offense, as an offensive coordinator. Um, and, yes, there's moments where there's not a lot of moments, though, where you're criticizing the time management. Like, it's happened a few times. There's 37 games. No, 38 games. I can do math. I was a math major. I wasn't, actually, but. Maybe three or four of those games, like you, you have maybe a gripe about time management. I think overall, though, especially with challenges, like that really has not been an issue. It's only come up a few times. I just, just stop with it. It's 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 dumb. You're he's ten games above five hundred right now in uh, almost two and a half seasons. So I, I I get it's football. I get it's the NFL, and every game's hyper analyzed, but. It's just stupid. So just stop with that, okay? Thank you. Okay. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. We should get out of here. It's kind of fun doing this the following morning. Got to sleep on it a little bit, just a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Not enough. Um, but drank my first coffee of the day during the podcast. Good job. What kind of coffee was it? Keurig Starbucks. Oh, the fancy stuff. Fancy uh, stuff. It's how I roll, man. Pike, Pike Place? Pike Place. Oh, it's Pike's the way to go. Yeah, yes. Pike's good. That's a, that's a good call. Give me the juice, baby. All right. Free advertising for Starbucks there. Like, they need it. Uh, we're out of here. We're going to go enjoy a, a little bit of a weekend off. The weather's going to be great if you're in Chicago. Go enjoy it. Go enjoy the victory. Hold up four fingers like Tom Brady everywhere you go. <laughs> 
There's nothing wrong with that. You started the podcast with it, and you're ending the podcast with I it. Well done. I just Synergy. Funny. All right. Uh, also, there's still time to call in the voicemail line, 872-221-0046. Take your thoughts on the on the voicemail line, and we'll have those for you on Tuesday when we'll be back. Bears got a 10 days now before they go play the Carolina Panthers. Got to avoid a letdown game after all this, right? Um, but I do think the t- extra time here will be good for Nick Foles to continue to sort of build that chemistry and comfortable uh, get comfortable with this offense. But I do think there were some positive signs last night, obviously. And the Bears win, more importantly uh, than anything else. They somehow managed to get it done, and Khalil Mack looked pretty damn good. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Read all of our post-game reaction. I'm up at NBCSportsChicago.com. Adam Johns, Kevin Fishbane, you know them. You can even get Tampa's side of things. But Greg Allman had to write about uh, the Bucks side. You can get all the NFL coverage you need there on The Athletic. Just go to theathletic.com slash Hogan John. Subscribe. You can get 12 months for $1 per month right now. It's a great deal. So go get it right now. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the podcast. If you've done that, please tell a friend. Bears. 4-1. Put four fingers up and say go subscribe to the Hogan John's podcast. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. See ya. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless.